my parents essentially said, hey, Nick, you can have anything you want in life as long as you can earn it because we're just trying to hold on here, you know? And so I learned pretty young that uh, if you could provide value to other people, they'd give you money. It didn't matter how old you were. Uh, I started teaching tennis lessons. I learned that if I could teach 10 kids at one time for five bucks, I could make 50 bucks uh, in a half an hour, an hour. I, I did a lot the things a lot of other people do in, in school, sold candy. Uh, you know, I did a lot of different things. Went on to University of Florida, studied finance, uh, got my law degree, but never wanted to practice law. Um, I really want to be in entertainment. Uh, I partnered up with my business partner, who's 30 years older than me. I've always known that mentors are, are the secret uh, to shortcuts. Success definitely leaves clues. And, uh, you know, he and I tried to build an entertainment company. And he said, man, Nick, this is the hardest business I have ever been involved in. But essentially, at the time, he said, Nick, if you did the same thing for entrepreneurs and professionals that you were doing for bands, which I was sort of creating their brands from scratch, helping them produce video, audio, whatever, he said, you, you'd make a lot more money, you'd be happier. Uh, so it sounds great. So we started on that path. Uh, we built what is now known as the Celebrity Branding Agency. We've served more than 3,000 clients in 63 countries across the globe, helping them build their their platforms, their credibility, uh, working on their media, marketing, PR. And then I did what any uh, artistic person does when they start making money. I started spending it doing what I wanted again, which is back into art. I uh, started working on music again, started producing films, documentary films. And it, I think because of the lumps I had taken in the rest of my life, how difficult uh, some other things were for me, uh, filmmaking really became team building. Uh, it's the easiest thing I feel like I've ever done. Uh, now I have directed more than 60 documentaries, uh, one, I think 40-something Emmy nominations, 22 wins. Uh, and now essentially we have our agency. Uh, that I have a team that runs the agency. I'm still involved, but I do maybe a couple hours a week with guiding the agency. And I spend 90% of my time, uh, you know, in personal development and groups with you, Alan, you know, doing things like Strategic Coach and, and Genius Network and some other networks I'm a part of, just growing, meeting, learning. And then I, and that's where I find stories too, by the way. And the rest of my time I spend, uh, you know, sharing stories of humanitarian efforts, nonprofits, and, uh, and creating biographies. I'd like to walk through a process that you do. Ben comes to you and says, hey. Nick, we want to get known. We want to throw our, our 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 brand out there. What what is the process that you start with a group? How does this all come about? Yeah. So the first thing they've got to do is that music has to be good. And so one of the things that I learned a long time ago when I it happened to myself, I wrote my first song, and of course, you know that process of creating is is challenging it's adrenaline it's but when you finish you know you create something from nothing i don't care you could use the example whether you're a painter uh, a writer a poet a script writer a book writer you know you finish and you you just gave birth to the world something that you know in many cases you can't wait for the world to see sometimes you get just you know you get a uh, sort of just discourage and but for the most part your very first one when you finish it you feel like it's done you're ready to show the world um the what you don't want to hear is the truth is that it probably sucks it's probably not great i mean and i tell people when they come to me and i, and I share with them honest feedback on a, a project whether it's their first or their tenth i'll say hey here's the deal don't be don't be down um if i told you that that first song that first painting that first script that first poem was the best you were ever going to do would that be uplifting or depressing? And everyone pretty much admits that'd be pretty depressing. That's exactly. So this is all about a journey. You're going to get better. It's all about learning your weaknesses, 
exposing those warts and getting better. So how about we just be honest with each other and I share with you, it's only one opinion, but it's my opinion. Writing, doing anything by yourself, Alan, and getting better at it is really, really difficult. The best way to get better is to surround yourself with people who are way better than you. Like me, I still songwrite a lot right now. I've had songs cut by some of the biggest artists in the world. In country, uh, Lee Bryce, Darius Rucker, most people know him from Louis the Blowfish. And and I've had I have over 2 million streams on Spotify. And that's not a lot, but it's, you know, some people have listened, right? But I write with writers who are way better than me. I'm, I'm okay admitting it. I've, I've taken my time refining my skill set and bringing other things to the table, different ideas, different connections. And I, I write with guys who write two songs a day every day. And there's, I don't do that. There's no way I can get that good without doing it. But you get better by collaborating. So first thing I do is I typically try to help these bands collaborate with great writers, great producers, great photographers. Like, we have to compete in the marketplace. It doesn't mean you shouldn't try to be what everyone else is. Because if, if you try to create something that's blowing up right now on the radio or on Spotify or on the internet, that was probably started. I mean, the timeframes are getting shorter with instant publishing, but it was probably at least started a couple months ago. So you're two months behind. So it's like, let's find your sound. Let's find what's original, but let's, let's find who you are. But let's do that with a team of experts that are, we are proven. We can experiment, but we know that they've gone within the boundaries of success. So I, the first thing I try to do is get them to collaborate with people who are great in every aspect of what we need to do. Because at the end of the day, We've got to compete in the marketplace for people's attention. And that attention is, you know, if it's a band, um, you're competing with, whether you want to or not, you're competing with Coldplay or Kenny Chesney or Garth Brooks, people selling out stadiums, you're competing for attention. So should you try to be them? No. Should you try to beat them? Probably not. But how are you going to be different? How are you going to, how are you going to stand up alongside them? And that starts with, you know, quality on, you know, from A to Z. So we really start there and started and start looking at who would be, even though most bands hate being compared to someone else, it's sort of, I always ask the question, would you like your 75-year-old aunt to try to explain to someone, to her friend's grandson, what your band sounds like? No, you wouldn't. So you need to give them the language. You need to share with them who you are. Oh, you know, we're sort of a, a mix between whatever, Garth Brooks and, and Coldplay, to use two examples. Whatever it is, like, you got to start finding a niche. You got to start finding... You know, finding an audience, finding a voice. And a lot of that, there's no substitute for experience. But we, we sort of start at those things, Alan. So in the branding field, uh, it, it's mainly you're helping to write, introduce them to uh, agencies or, or, or venues that, that can get messaging out. Is that uh, is that a fair statement? Do you do a lot of video? Yeah, I mean, there, Nick, yeah, yes. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. I encourage everyone to do video. I do, you know, I do a fair amount of music, you know, with as a, maybe 10 or 20% of what I do is music. And I still advise and, and guide up and coming acts. And of course, I mean, video, I mean, TikTok, all these, all these things are, they're real, they're here. Um, on, on the business side and on the documentary side, I mean, that's, that's my, our secret weapon. You know, we're, we're able to take, we're able to take human stories and make them emotional. And, and there's a couple of things. Even when I approach celebrities sometimes about telling their stories, a lot of times they're, you know, thankfully most people are not narcissistic egomaniacs. So they don't go, yes, I've been waiting for you. They're like, I'm not sure I have a story that's worth telling. I'm not, you know, that's a typical, very typical response from an entrepreneur or a celebrity. And I have to stop and say, well, look, have you experienced 
ups, downs, things that you think other people could learn from? And of course, everyone says yes. So, well, great. Well, so let's reframe it. If we were telling your story to blow up your ego or as a puff piece, it wouldn't be worth telling. Nobody would care. But it's not about you. When we, if we can make your story about other people and it's a learning experience where you can share what you have learned and help them to avoid some of your mistakes, teach them some of your shortcuts, and ultimately inspire them to do more and, and be better and make the world a better place, then would your story be worth telling? And they're like, oh. So one of the first things I tell people to understand is that your story is really not about you which is a really different way of looking at things. You, typically, most people think it is normal. Well, it's, it's, it's all about me. It's, it's sort of myopic. It's like, well, yeah, that's not that interesting. Well, no, it's not. Your story is about how you can transform other people's lives. And when you take it from that perspective, that's when it opens all the doors. And a lot of people are super self-conscious about it. And I tell them, look, when your ego is ready to step out of the way and you understand that what you have experienced is going to be valuable to other people. You'll just, it doesn't matter if you're not a great speaker. It doesn't matter if you're not that eloquent. It doesn't matter if you don't love the way you look. It doesn't matter if you want to lose 30 pounds first. That all goes away. And all of a sudden you realize that your message is more important than your ego and you'll just start sharing it. And that's when you see the transformation really start to happen. What was your first documentary that you did? Um, I, I met a guy in an airport uh, and I was looking for a story to tell. I really wanted to make a documentary. I really wanted, I wanted to try this art form. And I knew that, um, that a great story is where it started because look, the new technology 12 years ago, like DSLRs, like I'm actually using a second edition for my webcam now because these things are worth nothing, but they're great quality. So uh, DSLRs and all the new technology, nonlinear editing, final cut, you know, iMovie, you know, allowed people like me who didn't have millions of dollars to go make something. So I met a guy in the airport who's, I saw a picture on his laptop uh, of a little kid, you know, baseball portrait. And I said, man, is that your son? He said, yes, yeah. this is a beautiful kid. He said, thank you. He has Down syndrome. I said, yeah, I have some cousins who do. I could recognize sort of the traits, but he looks so happy. We got to talking him. Somehow he, he ended up asking me, I was doing entertainment work at the time. He, had, he told me about an auction they had in his area in Indiana for Down syndrome. So I sent him some celebrity memorabilia. Some, I got Rascal Flatts to sign some stuff. I got some different acts. I needed to do some stuff. And then I sent it to him and a couple months later, he sent me a story his wife had written about his son's experience, his first season in a small town in Indiana called Floyd's Knobs, um, playing t-ball. They had two older children who were, you know, uh, who did not have Down syndrome. So they were concerned about putting their youngest son, their baby, who also happened to have Down syndrome in, into baseball. And then the transformation of the journey from the coach to the players and and how, and it just was a heartwarming story. And I read it and it brought tears to my eyes. And I, I said, this is amazing. He said, Hey, you know, you know, don't share it publicly, um, because it, it's going to come out in the newspaper in a week or so. I said, great. So it was coming out in the, the town's called Floyd's Knobs, Indiana. It was coming out in the, I don't know, the Floyd's Knobs Gazette, whatever. Right. So limited audience. I forwarded it to my dad, and my business partner, who were both about 30 years older than me. At the time, I don't even know they knew how to use email, but they both said that, what a great story. And then they CC'd like a hundred people. I'm like, oops, hey, nobody share this beyond this. But I realized like this was the start of something literally viral. It was a, it was a heartwarming story with a message that people wanted to share. I said, ah, this is my story. So I didn't know how to do it. So I asked a lot of questions. So I went and I found people like I had shot things before. I had edited things before. I had written stuff before, but I knew it was not my gift. I didn't wake up every morning going, I got to shoot something today. I got to edit something today. I got to write something. It's just not me. I always wake up going, 
man, I want to learn and grow and meet new people and, and ask them questions. Like that drives me. So as you know, with Dan Sullivan, our mutual mentors concept, unique ability, that's all I do. My unique ability is having meaningful conversations that lead to produced outcomes. And is all I do in front of the camera, behind the camera, on podcasts, with clients, whatever, right? With my, my team. So I found people who were great at what they did, a great cinematographer, great editor, um, great writer. And I went out and I, I went to some of my clients and said, hey, if, if I have been valuable to you, um, and if not, that's okay, but if I have, um, I'm going to try to do this. Would you contribute with me? Um, I'm not going to allow you to invest because I don't know how this is going to work. I will only allow you to contribute. And when you contribute, I'm gonna, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm going to make you an executive producer on the film. I'm going to let you come to a premiere. If we get a nomination for an Emmy, which I was angling for, I'll invite you to the Emmys. You know, I'm going to make an experience for you. And I had enough clients who said, sure, we'll, we'll support you in that. And, you know, uh, I don't know who the real quote is from, but often attributed to Zig Ziglar. If you help enough other people get what they want, they'll be get you what you want. It was a classic case of that. We made it. It was a seven-minute short film. Uh, it made everybody cry. We raised some money for uh, special needs kids. And uh, I was nominated for two Emmys and uh, won one of them. And so that sort of started my film career. Uh, just another fun side story. I think the answers to what you're looking for in the world very often exist. Uh, you know, it, it's not rocket science. And I literally Googled how to win an Emmy and I followed the directions. And so that's what I was trying to do. And lo and behold, it worked. Um, and so that was my first film. You can still see it uh, at the website, jacobsturn.com. Heartwarming story about a little kid. I, we've gotten technically more proficient than then. We've gotten better equipment since then, but still a story that will stand the test of time. Excellent. So in addition to uh, Jacob's story, or uh, Jacob's turn, um, the uh, other documentary, what's been the funnest one that you've worked on? Oh my gosh, like ask me Most to pick a memorable. favorite child. Uh, um, so I'm doing Dick Vitale's life story right now, which is mind blowing. I mean, I, I knew he was a legend in the world of college basketball, but I honestly, I'm a pretty bad college. I'm a casual college basketball fan. I'm a Florida Gators fan. And when we're good, I watch, I'm like a really good college football fan. I watch a lot of games, whether we're playing or not. Uh, but I really didn't understand how much he had impacted the game of basketball. And I didn't know his story of, he has one eye. He coached, uh, middle school to the NBA seven year journey to get from starting coaching in middle school to becoming a high school's back-to-back -back state championship coach, a college coach, and then an NBA coach. And then, and then he got unceremoniously fired and started his real career, which is the last 40 years of broadcasting. He's done, I think 18 hall of fames for it. Um, that's been great. My story on Peter Diamandis, you know, the founder of the X prize who created the first private space flight was Incredible. I did Rudy's documentary. Those of you who know the football movie, Rudy. I did Larry King's life story. I was blessed enough to work with Larry and partner with him before he passed away. So there've been so many. Um, most, what I, I think what's most memorable is most everyone I've gotten the opportunity to work with, and it's a laundry list by now, um, has been really good people, really kind, really nice people. And I'm super thankful for that. Typical distribution for the, uh, the, the documentaries are using, uh, Netflix or other media stuff, sources or stuff, how do you We've had stuff on Netflix, we've had stuff on Amazon Prime. Um we uh this Dick Vitale documentary, I can't name it yet. People could probably guess, but uh just sold it to a very large sports network. Um so you know, distribution is a funny thing. And so I'll tell you this. Um I have chosen to not allow um like most people pitch a film and then 
try to get funding and then go make it. I might be really blessed. I've had clients have done the same thing over and over. I've never allowed a single investment in my films, only contributions and great journeys and great value to those who are willing to step up and help support what I'm doing. Um, and uh, I have, I've, I have never wanted to allow a network or a streaming company to decide what stories that I want to tell. So I go tell them anyway, and I see where they belong. If they belong, if someone thinks they belong, you know, there's politics, there's whatever. At a Netflix, great, it'll end up there. If not, there's plenty of other outlets. I mean, the, the beauty of the world we live in now, there's a lot of self-serve platforms. Uh, you know, Microsoft has one, Apple has one, Amazon has one. I mean, you can get, you YouTube is the, greatest distribution in the world and with the touch of a button. So yes, I have had films on the bigger platforms. They don't always end up there. And I'm okay with that. You know, if I make a film that makes one person reconsider uh, suicide or donate $10 to stopping human trafficking, it was worth the time to me. So Nick, how does a person go about contacting you? Uh, you can find me at pretty much all the socials at, uh, at Nick Nanton, just my name. If you spell it right, it's all ends as in Nick, uh, at Nick Nanton and then, uh, nicknanton.com. You can sign up to sort of follow along with what we're doing. Um, yeah. And, uh, that's how people find me. All right. Well, I appreciate you being on today's show. It's been fun visiting with you. And, uh, for the listeners, we'll have posted in the interview, the, uh, uh, the, the link to Nick's website and um, and also can they find other documentaries that you've done on that, that site? Yeah, they can and uh, most of my stuff is on Amazon and uh, if you check like uh, IMDB Internet Movie Database you can see a list of what's out as well as, up, as what's upcoming. 